And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show. We're here to preview the World Cup final. Think about it. It's been a month and we are finally at the showpiece event of this tournament. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And I'm joined once again by the Athletic's very own wonderful Michael Bailey. How are you doing, Michael? Oh, Jack, thank you for the lovely intro. Yeah, good. Thank you. It's nice to be invited back again. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that and run with it. Thank you. Absolutely. No, it's great to have you back on. And look, there's lots to kind of get at, at this World Cup final. But I mean, the headline is the whole Messi and Mbappe thing, you know, King versus Apprentice, the whole master versus young upstart kind of thing going on. I like it because it has this kind of duality about it, because in the undercard, if you will, there's the whole Alvarez Giroud thing going on, which is basically reversed roles. And I think that kind of gives it a nice contrast. And, and we're seeing those kind of veteran and youngster in, in different roles on both sides. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that dynamic a lot. I think um, I think that's partly why, even though you had some really good uh, underdog stories, I think when we got underneath it, most people did really want to see an Argentina-France final. I think for something like this in a World Cup every four years, you just want to see the best go up against the best in a, in a, I, I mean, it has the potential to be a properly iconic game of football. And, you know, possibly for those veterans, if you like, a, a career defining um, final. And it's, it's remarkable the amount that that puts on the 90 minutes, you know, I mean, Messi, Messi's career, <laughs> so much of it may come through this prism of whether he wins the World Cup or not. And that is now basically going to be decided by 90 minutes of football. So it's remarkable. I think that's, that was why Argentina's semi-final win was so captivating. I think it's, it's obviously been said a lot, but just to see Messi reach a level where he was pulling them through once again. And I think, I don't know. It feels like this is the best he's played at this stage, you know, at this level of a major tournament. And, and that is just remarkable. Um, and then it's sort of slightly different with Giroud because he is sort of the under, well, was, whether he still is or not, I don't know. Yeah, but exactly. sort of can, under, can a player be underrated when yeah. they're rated by everyone? I don't As, know. But. Is he being sung? I think he's not unsung, is he anymore? He is no, actually being so. sung. But he is this cog in a, in a, in a French team that is, um so coherent in what they're doing and there's just an efficiency about what they're doing as well it's it's just re remarkable how he's gone about it so uh you know we're all football fans this is exactly what we want to see play out now yeah, I think it's interesting with Giroud because there is a chance, and look, this is no slight on the name of Karim Benzema because I think he is absolutely sensational. Obviously, he's the current Ballon d'Or holder. The season he had last year was 
relatively incomparable, I think, what, what he achieved. But I think there is an element that France feel like a more cohesive unit with, with Giroud in the team because he is such a selfless forward and he is willing to be that that guy for the team in, in, in so many different ways. And I think what's interesting about this is there's plenty of narrative arcs, obviously, and we've touched on some of them already, but there's also this kind of idea of Argentina feel a little bit born on the wings of fame. I think the wonderful Sid Lowe wrote that it feels like a rebellion in some ways, the way that Argentina have got to this final. They feel like they're at war. And I imagine when those two national anthems are played, uh, both obviously in, in terms of like rebel songs and, and, and war cries in, in many ways, there's gonna that feeling is going to get to them. And, you know, we can talk about emotional control and all of those things, but I think we saw that Argentina can control that in, in the Croatia semi-final. Although, you know, the game state i suppose and, and the way that it looked in terms of they felt relatively comfortable at almost all times probably contributed to that but when you're looking at this you have this kind of born on the wings of fate argentina narrative that, that it might be messi's final shot at this tournament to, to put himself in that pantheon with the players that ha have gone before to, to finally put himself alongside maradona i think in the hearts of a nation even if around the world generally i think he's regarded as, as the greatest of all time Argentina seems to be the one place where he's not. And, and that's a really interesting dynamic to have to be loved in, in, in everywhere apart from maybe in your homeland where they have elevated someone else to that. And then France have this ability or, or opportunity to go back to back for the first time since the great Brazil sides of the 1960s. So there's narratives everywhere you look. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, the achievement from France would be remarkable. And you kind of think about what Karim Benzema must be sort of thinking Sat at home or wherever he is. In, well, there's, there's his, talk of him, his talk of him coming back to me on the bench of the final, which has made me laugh. Yeah, well, you know, well, maybe he'll just rock up and sit there himself, whether ever anyone lets him there or not. Will he get a pass? Who knows? But yeah, I think, um, you know, it, for, for him, there's obviously such a huge missed opportunity and he would be looking at that just thinking, oh, all the things we could have could have done. But as a, as a French team achievement and, and Didier Deschamps and, and the, the job, he has done from you know being in the in the french team that won the world cup himself to then delivering two as a as a head coach as well i mean what an incredible achievement on on in his regards and actually you look at the you look at the players that are missing for france as well that we haven't mentioned as well you know they they've got such a talented group you know this 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 could be well, I mean, they will create history and you you do see that sort of strength going forwards as well. So that, that you know, would, would obviously make it iconic for them completely. And I think I have to say, I, I mean, initially from the first round of games, uh, from before the tournament, I said Argentina, I could see them being strengths just through them being unbeaten, the Copa America success. And then once the tournament started, I was like, well, Brazil and France look the standout. So, you know, two out of three isn't bad really for a final. But, uh, you know, I, I think France have looked that good and that efficient from the very start. Um, and then with Argentina, I mean, you, you <laughs> it's by all accounts in Argentina, like you were saying, it's almost the fact that Diego Maradona is looking over them and helping them through. So even now, Maradona is getting probably as much credit as Lionel Messi. He's just channeling himself through Lionel to take him through a through a different level. But those those are such emotive uh, emotive narratives that are running through the team. And uh, as I can't remember if we've discussed it before. I mean, I, I mean, I think some of the emotional control has been a little bit overplayed with Argentina because I think the way they reacted to their Dutch success was, you know, as much about reacting to the provocation they had in some ways. Um, and they've done a really good way, a really good job of channeling how how they have felt into productive football. In fact, arguably the, the Saudi Arabia game for them, the 
the, the biggest issue it felt like was they they were a little bit lost and almost a, a tad complacent in terms of getting themselves into a situation and they're not being able to get themselves out of it so i think um that could yet prove to be one of the one of the most beneficial things that's happened to them in the last 12 months losing that first game in the tournament um i i don't envisage the um, emotion being too much for them but they are going to come up against a kind of a football machine really you, you you get this sometimes i think spain were a bit like it probably about 10 years ago and there's going to be a bit similar with the french and it's just going to be a fascinating tactical battle, battle in terms of how Argentina set up and, and aim to pick it pick it apart. Because even against England, I thought the French ultimately were kind of in control of the game, even though England created more chances and were, were progressive and played very well in themselves. I think the fact that the moment the game went level, France you know, looked like they were being progressive again, so it told me that they probably were just managing what was going on around them for the most part. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, I, I think this is it. And, and there's an interesting line here, I suppose, about tactical, tactical flexibility or tactical rigidity. And, you know, France have this capacity to get it done. It is probably how I would I would describe it. They haven't really looked, I don't think, at any point like they've got out of maybe third gear. And maybe that's to do with the fact that there are, what, five 
starters missing from from this team. If you're looking at full strength eleven, you'd be looking at uh, Kimpembe, Lucas Hernandez, who obviously started the tournament left back, uh, Pogba and Kante, and then Benzema as well. So you're looking at five players who probably start for France, and then Christopher Nkunku as well, who were looking likely to be that kind of super sub, able to change it around. So maybe that's part of the reason that they haven't looked maybe quite at their fluid best. But I think the kind of difference here is that we've seen France, and you know exactly how France are going to line up, you know, barring maybe two names, you could write the France team down now. But there's there's no kind of way that you think that Deschamps is going to mess with his system. He knows exactly what he wants. He knows exactly how these players are going to manage things. And he will stick to exactly what he's done throughout this tournament. Whereas with Argentina, as you say, I, I agree that that point of the Saudi Arabia loss actually kind of focused them. It put them in this kind of siege mentality. It felt a bit, oh, everyone wants to see us get knocked out, do they? Okay. Come on then. And, and they kind of banded together around that. And at points we've seen them, you know, talking about the referee after the Netherlands game, who did have a bad game, but I don't think in particular favour of, of, of the Netherlands in any regard. And I think that they've bought into that mentality of being like, right, it's us against the world. It really is us as a group of players, as a group of people around Lionel Messi to, to kind of elevate him to the status that these play, players believe that he should be given within the Pantheon. And I think that's quite nice. But I'm intrigued as to how this plays out because Scaloni has grown through this tournament, I think, changed and, and chopped and moved players around. And we've seen players come to the fore that perhaps we weren't expecting. Enzo Fernandez and Alexis McAllister, probably the best examples. But they've changed formations. They've changed shapes. They've mixed it and matched it in, in within games as well as before them. And I have no idea. I can name you most of the players that I think will start, but I have no idea in what kind of shape that Argentina will start this final. Which is which is really interesting because, as you say, the, the the players probably will be quite set. It's going to be the tactical tweaks around it. And you're dealing with a head coach who's still you know, relatively unknown, relatively young, relatively inexperienced as well. So, and he is going up against, you know, as I said, a supreme head coach um, for international football who you know is, has the potential to achieve something incredible. So that's a really interesting dynamic in itself. And I suppose, and this always sounds a bit dense when you say it, but I do genuinely think, he says, that you know, sometimes it's more important than others. I think in this, this scenario, whoever scores first, it's going to have a profound effect on the game because I yeah. think France have so much muscle memory of winning. They know how to do it. They are not going to be phased by getting into the final and, and doing whatever. And, um, you know, the, their, their, their belief in that situation will be great. I think... You know, Argentina winning the Copa America makes a big difference um, to that situation. But because of the the other stuff they've got going on with them and and, and that, I suppose the pressure and and um, you know some of those narratives, I do I do feel like they will need the boost of scoring first. I think it will prove difficult for them if they do go behind. Uh, whereas maybe if France do, they, they would still be able to, to, to you know, to, to deal with that and come up with a way forwards. Um, but France haven't really had to recover from a losing position this tournament so far, other than I think against Australia, which in fairness, it kind of means nothing because they went on and they were really comfortable in that game anyway. Yeah. So um, France haven't been tested in that way and they've managed to have a degree of control and got themselves ahead and managed a game. Um, but I, I, so I, and I feel for Argentina, they need that. So that, that first goal, um, you know, if it comes, <laughs> we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a really big impact on the game, I think, which again yeah. sounds obvious, but that is the way. No, I think that's fair. The other thing is that we haven't seen Argentina come from, 
you know, a losing position either. Uh, in fact, the only game they've gone behind, they have lost. So, so you look at it and, and, and in that way, both teams having that, ooh, how does this play out if they concede is another kind of facet of it that becomes one of those we don't really know because we haven't hugely seen it in a game of any sort of magnitude. And and that's what, you know, one of those interesting things. But but one of the players I wanted to talk about quickly, Michael, was Antoine Griezmann because we haven't spoken about him yet. And yet, I think for me, he's been the player of the tournament. I think he's been the best player at this World Cup so far. And, and I'm sure that there are plenty of people screaming at their headsets going, you're missing Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe. But I think what Griezmann's done for this France team is is remarkable. And and the fact that, you know, in the last game, he was helping out his centre-backs one second. The next time he's driving into the opposition third. The next time he, he's leading the ball out wide so his wide men can get into those positions where we know they're incredibly dangerous. I just think generally as an eight in this tournament, and I know he sort of played a hybrid role, if you will, between that eight and the ten role. But he has shown everything that we would have wanted from Griezmann and, and for a player who's been renowned for having such creative nows down the years his work rate defensively in this tournament has been absolutely stunning that's a great shout I think almost like a coming of age tournament in a way because of the responsibility he's taken and actually when you think of you know you maybe think of Griezmann as a as a player that would um you know, would look to attract that spotlight of what he was doing and that uh, that aura of how he's going about it. And it's actually, as you said, it's kind of been selfless in a lot of ways. The actual groundwork he has done to facilitate some of the stuff that's gone around him. Because if you list the players that have got France to where they are, people are going to say, well, Mbappe, and then they're going to say Giroud. And, you know, Griezmann is going to be third in that list on most, on most counts, whereas so much of what he has done has been a base level for that. Maybe he's benefited from the fact that he's had... Um, he's probably in the best condition he's ever been for a World Cup. You know, he's barely played for Atleti, who can't really afford to play him, you know, um, as much as they would like to, which is obviously fun in games. You can read about plenty of that on the Athletic. But uh, so that maybe helps. But yeah, it's, um, I, I just, I found that that influence, you can so appreciate how he's going about that. And he's, you know, there are really good players behind him that are kind of allowing him to do that. There are still great defensive players and uh, covering in the spaces around him. Um, and there's a lot of pace as well. But it's the, the football intelligence and, and maybe the efficiency in his movement that he is picking up the ball in great areas that is then having a major impact. And, you know, his his movement is really good. He's he's making the right covering runs and, inter and tackles and interceptions where he needs to be. Um, and where France needs him. There's no real um, wastefulness in terms of what he's done, and he's been incredibly effective. And, uh, and yeah, he probably does sum up this French side, actually, even though we'll probably get to the end of the tournament, and uh, he may not be the, the name on everyone's, the end of, uh, tip of everyone's tongue. That said, if he goes and scores, you know, one, two goals in the final and wins it for them, that would be, that would be fitting for the impact he's had up until this point in the tournament as well. Yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. Uh, Michael, before we go, how do you see this playing out? I, I know this is an impossible question and, and uh, it's a World Cup final, but do you think it's going to be cagey in, in the way that finals sometimes are or we're going to see an explosion like the last time these two met at a World Cup or, or like the final of last time out? Yeah, I'm glad you haven't phrased the question as give me a prediction. So thank you. Don't want that one. Um, yeah, I don't see it being like the semi-final. I think that because there is another prize on offer in a semi-final, you can cut loose a bit. 
So I, I, I would be surprised. I don't, it's very rare you see any sort of final where the team's cut loose and you, you have high scoring games. So I just don't see it being like that. I just think it's going to be much more cagey in terms of how a France going to deal with Messi. They, they, they are going to, I'm sure, target that in, in a way because it, it does, you know, hamper Argentina if he's not really involved in the game and they will have players who know him quite well. So, um, I think, you know, Argentina have their own frameworks already in place to kind of deal with that. Um, and maybe them stopping France is a, is a slight side issue, but I do expect it to be cagey. I, I do feel that the way that France know how to do this might end up being the difference. Um, but I think it's only going to be the old goal. Um, and I mean, personally, I would, I think France will have their time again. And I don't think Messi will. So I would love to see him uh, lift a World Cup. It would uh, stop any arguments. Yeah, I, I think it would put the cherry on the cake. And it would be lovely to see him put up on that pantheon in Argentina and, and take the, the country he loves and, and his homeland to the pinnacle of the world game once again. Um, but with that, I think it's probably time we call this a day on the Athletic Soccer Show's World Cup final preview. Uh, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you so much as ever for tuning in uh, and thank you so much to Michael Bailey no you're welcome Jack anytime hope we all enjoy a, a great final indeed indeed I've been Jack Collins this has been the Athletic Soccer Show and we will see you at the weekend take it easy <laughs>